Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So I want to begin this morning by sharing a story from my childhood. And as I get ready to share this story, let me just give you that reminder once again that this is, in fact, a story from my childhood. So over spring break of my fifth grade year, my family, we decided we were going to go to Disney World for a family vacation. And so we loaded up in our minivan, and we drove from Rockport, Texas, over to Orlando, Florida. Now, also, when I was a kid, one of my favorite cassette tapes to listen to was this cassette tape with Christian songs on it. One of the songs on this tape was, It's Me, O Lord. If you haven't heard that song before, it says, It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So I really enjoyed that that tape to, to listen to those Christian kid songs on there. And so as we were making this drive from Rockport over to Orlando, Florida, my parents were listening to talk radio at the time. And as a kid, I did not have an appreciation for talk radio, right? I've grown to enjoy it, but but as a kid, that just wasn't my thing. And so I asked my parents if they would put in this tape with these Christian kid songs on it so that I could listen to these songs instead of listening to talk radio. Well, my parents must have been pretty into whatever they were listening to on the radio because they said I was going to have to wait, And this is why I reminded you at the beginning that this story is from my childhood. Because when my parents told me that I was going to have to wait, I began to throw a fit, demanding that they put that tape in immediately. I know. And when my parents wouldn't budge, I began to throw an even bigger tantrum, even banging my head on the seat in front of me just screaming for them to put the tape in. Now, fast forward to the end of the story. I did not get to listen to that tape. (laughs) Not then or not ever again. My parents said I had lost that tape forever. But I share that story with you for a couple of reasons. First, because I think many times, whether it's intentional or unintentional, pastors get put up on pedestals. And so I think it's important for you to remember that, that I am not perfect that I did not have some angelic childhood, right? I I didn't grow up as this perfect child. I, too, sin. I, too, make mistakes. I do things that I should not do. And yet, God has chosen to forgive me, to redeem me, and to use me. So let me pause right here and say this. Your sin doesn't have to be the end of the story for you. Your sin doesn't have to be the end of your story for you. Just like God chose to forgive me, to redeem me, and to use me, God can choose to forgive you, to redeem you, and to use you as well. 
I would also note that your children's sins don't have to be the end of the story for them. You may be able to relate to my parents in this story. And you may think, man, my children are imperfect. My children do not always do what they're supposed to do. They don't always act the way they're supposed to act. And so you may just be, be overcome with this realization of how imperfect your own children are. And so I would remind you that your children's sins don't have to be the end of the, the story for them because God can also forgive them, redeem them, and use them as well. And really, may that be our prayer for our children, that God would forgive them, redeem them, and use them. But I also share this story because what great irony there is in this story. Here I am wanting to listen to this Christian song tape that had probably many applicable songs for this situation, but one of the songs was most certainly Standing in the Need of Prayer, right? It's me, O Lord. And here I am, definitely standing in the need of prayer at that moment. So music tends to be a big part of our lives as humans. We play songs at times of celebration. We play songs at, at times of sorrow. And sometimes God gives us a song that, that really, it's more than simply a song to sing. It's words or words that we need to hear. Those words on that song were words that I needed to hear. So we're in this series right now titled A Soundtrack for Life, and as we're going through this series, we're simply looking at a different song in the book of Psalms each week. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. Psalm chapter 51, we're going to read the entire chapter, it's 19 verses, Psalm 51, 1 through 19. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. The psalm that we're going to look at today is once again a prayer from David. And we're told that this psalm, at the very beginning, we're told that this psalm is directly related to David's sinful relationship with Bathsheba, David's adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. And so we read about this, this sinful relationship in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and then what we see in 2 Samuel chapter 12 is God sends the prophet Nathan to go to David and to address David's sin, really to, to call David out. To, to, to point David's sins out to him. Nathan speaks some words to David that David needed to hear. Now, in my experience as a pastor, the, the, there's some things that I have personally observed people do when, when their sins get called out, when, when God sends someone into their path to address their sin. The first thing that I have noticed that people do is they get angry. They get angry that at, at the person that has pointed out their sin. They get angry that their sin has been brought to light. They may even use the word judgmental. You are being judgmental. Don't judge me. And so they just get angry. The second thing that I have seen people do is they begin to avoid. As their sins are addressed, as their sins are pointed out, they begin to avoid maybe the individual that pointed their sins out. They might begin to to avoid anybody that's going to hold them accountable for their sin. They might even simply begin avoiding going to church altogether. They're going to avoid anything that is going to make them feel bad for their sin. But what we see happen with, with David, as Nathan goes to David to, 
to point out his sin, to address his sin, David doesn't get angry, and he doesn't begin to avoid. He simply admits his sin and repents of it. So let me just pause right here and say this. There are going to be times that you sin. There are going to be times that you give in to temptation. That's part of the, the world that we live in. We live in a fallen and a broken, sinful world. And so even if you've given your life to Christ, there are still going to be those times, there are still going to be those moments that you sin. And so when God sends someone into your path to address your sin, let me encourage you, don't get angry. Don't begin to avoid. Instead, admit your sin and repent of it. David doesn't get angry. He doesn't avoid. He simply admits his sin and he repents of it. And so what we have here in Psalm chapter 51 is this beautiful song of repentance, this prayer of repentance. And really, this is a song I believe that we all need to hear. But let me also say this. The, the song on the cassette tape that I wanted to listen to, it's me, O Lord, it's really a personal song, right? Because as I sing this song, it is a recognition that it's me that needs prayer. It's a recognition that I am the one, not my mother, not my father. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. As, as we sing that song, it really is a personal song for us. But it's not just a personal song. It's a song for everyone. Because just like I can sing this song, it's me standing in the need of prayer... You also can sing those words, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer, as you recognize your own need to come before the Lord in prayer. It's a very personal song, but it's also a song for everyone. As we think about this, this song of repentance, this prayer of repentance here that, that we see for, from David in Psalm chapter 51, this song is a very personal song for David. As David recognized the sin in his life, as he recognized his sin that he committed uh, with and against Bathsheba, as he recognizes his sin uh, against Uriah, her husband, as he recognizes his sin, this is a very personal song as he simply humbles himself and begins to cry out to God, repenting of his sin. But this is also a song for everyone. Because just like David recognized his own sin that he needed to, re to repent of, there are times that we recognize in our life, sin in our life that we need to turn away from, sin that we need to repent of. And so just like David can sing this song of repentance, there are times that we can turn to Psalm 51 and we can pray the words that David prayed. We can pray this prayer right here and have this song of repentance to be a, a prayer in our own life. It's a very personal song, but it's also a song for everyone. So with that in mind, let's read this prayer. Let's read this song right now. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. David said, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. 
I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, God, God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So as we look at this passage today, I want to begin by, by highlighting those words, those words faithful love that we see David say there in verse 1. David says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. Other translations use the words loving kindness. But, but really, the English translations of the word that's used there really don't do this word justice. Because, because the Hebrew word that David uses there when he says faithful love or loving kindness, the, the word that he's using is a word that, that implies action. So it's not just a love, but someone with this type of love is someone that is going to be moved out of their love. They're going to be moved to action. And so really what David is saying here is out of your love for me, God, would you be moved to action? Out of your love for me, God, would you be moved with compassion? It's a very similar idea to what we see uh, in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. In, in Matthew 9, 36, the New King James Version says this. Jesus, uh, speaking of Jesus, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. As he saw the multitudes, the love that he had was this active love. He was moved with compassion. You see, what David recognizes is that the type of love that God has for us is a love that moves him to action. The type of love that God has for us is a very active love. So let me pause right here and, and just give you this reminder. God actively loves you. Let me say that again. God actively loves you. God's love for you and God's love for me it is a love that moves him to action. And, and this action, or, or this love that we see that moves God to action, is really demonstrated most clearly through Jesus Christ. Coming into this world, going to the cross. In fact, Romans 5.8 talks about God's love for us in a very active way. It says, but God proves his own love for us in this. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
God loves us in a very active way. Out of God's love for us, it is demonstrated with action. God actively loves you. God actively loves me. And, and so out of his active, his active love for us, Jesus came into this world to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Demonstrating his love through action. So the very first thing that David recognizes as he starts out this prayer is God's active love for him. That God loves him in such a way that he is moved to action. And so recognizing that God loves him in this way that he is going to be moved to action. David very confidently goes to God with this prayer of repentance. Recognizing that when he cries out to God, God is going to respond. I want you to recognize that when you go to God... When you repent of your sins, God will respond to you because God loves you with an active love. His love moves him to action. And so as we think about David's prayer of repentance here, there's a few truths that I want you to walk away with today. First, our sin traps us. Our sin traps us. Let's look at verse 3 again. David says, For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Our sin traps us. So several weeks ago, I, I shared with you that after coming back from our, or after we came back from Alabama, I shared with you that on our trip, we tried our hand at an escape room. We were not good at it. And if it weren't for the, the wonderful employee that kept giving us hints and clues on the TV screen that was in the room with us, we would probably still be trapped there today. I don't know if we ever would have escaped. I'd be writing a letter. Please send help. As David begins to confess his sins to the Lord, what we find out is that while many months have passed since his, his sinful relationship with Bathsheba, while many months have passed since, since he quite literally had Uriah murdered... While, while we see that maybe he tried to ignore his sin, maybe he even tried to deny his sin at times, he really could not escape his sin. He was still trapped in his sin, saying, my sin is always before me. He was trapped in his condemnation. He was trapped in his sin. You know, that's really what an unrepentant heart does to us. It traps us. It, it traps us in our condemnation or the word that that david uses here he uses the word guilt our, our sin and our unrepentant heart it traps us in our guilt in fact david uses that word guilt or guilty four times in this prayer in verse two he says completely wash away my guilt in verse 5, he says, indeed, I was guilty. In verse 9, he says, blot out all my guilt. And in verse 14, he says, save me from my guilt. We get this idea here that, that David is really guilt-ridden. He is burdened by the weight of his guilt, by the weight of his sin, unable, because of his unrepentant heart, unable to escape, just trapped in his sin. So let me pause right here and, say, and, and just ask, are you trapped in your guilt today? Because of sin, are you trapped in your guilt today? Studies have shown that 25% of Americans today 
struggle with guilt on a daily basis, which means that very likely one out of every four people in here, that, that one out of every four of us struggle with the weight of guilt. So are you trapped by your guilt today? And if you are, then, then I want you to hear me. You don't have to remain trapped. You don't have to remain trapped. I said it uh, that, that when we were in, our, in, in that escape room, that, that the very nice employee was giving us all of those hints, giving us all of those clues to help us escape from that room. But I want you to understand that, that God doesn't just give us hints. He doesn't just give us clues on how we can escape our sin, on how we can escape our guilt. God's word has made it very clear that it is through Jesus Christ that when we come to him, we are able to escape the condemnation. We are able to escape our guilt. We are able to escape our sin. You don't have to remain trapped. So our sin traps us. Second, our sin is against God himself. Let's look at verse 4 again. Our sin is against God himself. It says, against you, you alone I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Our sin is against God himself. David recognizes that while he may have sinned against Bathsheba and he may have sinned against Uriah, he may have sinned against their families, he, he may have even really sinned against the, his kingdom because of his lack of integrity. He may have sinned against his kingdom that he was ruling over. But at the end of the day, David recognized that truly the one that he had sinned against was God himself. Understand, when you and I sin, while our sins may be against others in this world, at the end of the day, our sin truly is against God himself because God is our standard. God is, is completely perfect. God is completely righteous. God is holy. God is just. And God is the one that has set the standard. God is the one who has set the law. Apart from the law, there would be no lawbreakers. That's what scripture tells us. So I have a bit of a confession to make to you today. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving up 123 with my family. We were driving towards Seguin, that direction, and uh, a highway patrolman pulled up behind me and, and turned his lights on. And I'll be honest, honestly, I did not think I was getting pulled over at first because I still get confused between the speed limit on 87 and the speed limit on 123. The speed on 87 is faster than the speed on 123. And so I was basing my speed off of 87 while I was driving on 123. And I was driving a little faster even than the speed on, on 87. So if I'm driving faster than the speed on 87 when I'm on 123, I'm going significantly faster than the speed on 123. So he was pulling me over. And so I pulled over, and he was very gracious to me. He, he just gave me a warning that day and then let me go on my way. Thank you, God, for grace, right? <laughs> but I told my kids, I told my family as we pulled away from that experience, I said, you know... He, he was gracious to me. He was merciful to me. But truly, if he had decided to give me a ticket, he would have had every right to do so. 
because I was breaking the law. In that moment, I was a lawbreaker. He would have been right to hold me accountable for breaking the law. God has established the law for us. God has set the standard for us. And because God has established the law, when we break the law, when we sin, when we disobey Him, our sin at the end of the day is against Him. He is the one who we sin against. And so David recognizes, God, you are the one who has set the law. You are the one who has set the standard. And so I have sinned against you and you alone, God. And just like David, or just like I said to my kids that day, David says, Lord, if you hold me accountable for my sin, you are completely blameless. If you pass sentence on me, you are not in the wrong at all, God. You have every right to condemn me for my sin. I want you to understand, because of our sins, God has every right to condemn us. Because of our sins, God has every right to condemn us. But thank God for grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that, that out of his love, his desire is that we might be forgiven, that we might be redeemed. And I want you to understand, just as he gave me a warning that day, God has given us a warning, plenty of warnings through his word that we might walk in obedience to his standard, that we might walk in obedience to him. God is holy. God is just. There's not a single one of us that can claim perfection. Rather, what Scripture tells us is that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fall short, fallen short of His standard of perfection. At the end of the day, we are all lawbreakers. We all deserve to be condemned. But God... His desire is to not give us what we deserve. His desire is to show us grace, to show us mercy through Jesus Christ. So our sin traps us, and our sin is against God himself. But our final truth this morning is that our God has the power to cleanse us. Our God has the power to cleanse us. Let's look at verse 2 again. It says, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Our God has the power to cleanse us. Now, I began those first two points with those two words, our sin, because I really want you to understand the weight of our sin. Our sin really is a big deal. We may not always look at, us, look at our sin as a big deal, but, but whether our sin in our own eyes is big or, or small, our sin is a big deal. Our sin is Big And so I wanted us to be reminded of the weight of our sin today. But just as I started the, those first two points with our sin, I'm intentionally beginning this last point with those two words, our God, because as we look at this passage, we understand that David's focus, when, when Nathan came to address his sin, David's focus didn't stay on his sin. He understood the weight of his sin, but his focus didn't stay on his sin. His focus was turned to his God. His focus was turned to his God's ability to completely wash him clean. And so you may, you may understand the weight of your sin in this moment right now, but my desire is that that you wouldn't stay with your heart and your eyes focused on your sin, but that you would turn and place your focus 
to God, the one who has the power to completely cleanse you, to wash you clean. So let me pause right here and say this. While our sin is big, our God is bigger. While our sin is big, our God is bigger. Listen, you may have sin in your life. You may even have a sin that no one else knows about. I don't want us to diminish the weight of that sin. Our sin is big, but I want you to understand that our God is bigger. And if we will turn to God with a humble and a broken heart, just as David says here, God has the power and the authority and the desire to completely wash you clean, regardless of the sin that you might have. We only need to turn to him. So in my time serving at First Baptist Wataga, I was there for 11 years. There was a student that, that had grown up with me in the children's ministry, and at this point I was his youth pastor. And I knew that he had not yet given his life to Christ. And so, so I pulled him aside one day. We had some free time. I pulled him aside, and I just asked him, what's holding you back? Why don't you want to give your life to Christ? And I'll never forget his response. He said, because I know myself. I know my sin, and I can't believe that God would forgive me. To this day, honestly, I don't know if he's ever given his life to Christ. And if that's true, then, then it's heartbreaking. Because he's still trapped in his sin, still trapped in his guilt, still trapped in his condemnation. Still believing that his sin is too big for God to forgive. So I want to remind you, if you're here today and you would say, man, I know myself, I know my sin, there's no way God can forgive me. I want to remind you, our sin is big, but our God is bigger. God can clean even the vilest of offenders. David was guilty of adultery. David was guilty of murder. And yet he turned to God with this humble heart, with this broken heart, with this song of repentance, he turned to God, and I want you to know that God was faithful to hear his prayer. God was faithful to redeem him. God was faithful to, to forgive him. God was faithful to use him. David's sin wasn't the end of his story. How do we know this? Because the book of Acts tells us that God saw David as a man after his own heart. Listen, your sin doesn't have to be the end of your story. You may say, my sin is big, but our God is bigger. You may say, man, my, my, my sin, man, I'm filthy in it. Our God can make you clean. You need only to turn to Him. And if you are willing to turn to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then a song of repentance... And the joy of your salvation can be a song on the soundtrack for your life. But the question today as we get ready to close is, are you still in your sin today? How heartbreaking it would be for you to say, my sin is big and I can't believe God would forgive me. And for you to continue to remain trapped in your sins, how awful that would be. And so if you need to respond today, if you need to be set free from your sin today, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. 
And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you're here, and first, let me say, if you're here and you've given your life to Christ already, but you recognize that there's still sin in your life, don't remain trapped in that sin. Don't remain trapped in that guilt, in that condemnation. Don't avoid, don't get angry, just turn to God, admit your sin and repent of it. I'll open up the altar. If you want to come and kneel at the altar today to pray, to confess to the Lord that He might make you clean, that He might make you right with Him, come and pray. If you need someone to pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. But maybe you're here and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ. I am most definitely trapped in my sin, my guilt, and my shame because I've never allowed Jesus to forgive me. Forgive me. I've never allowed Him to be my Lord. But today I recognize that through Jesus Christ, my sins can be forgiven. Today I recognize that my sin is big, but God is bigger, and I'm ready to make him my Lord. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond this morning. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can come and grab me. We can talk. We can pray. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today you can be washed clean. Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that step of baptism like Marley did today. Maybe you, need, you simply need to make your faith in Christ public. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. I'd love to talk with you, and I'd love to make that commitment with you today. Maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've already taken that step of baptism by immersion. I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to, to connect my life with this church body, to, to join the mission that this church has here in this community and around the world. If God's calling you to become a member of First Baptist Church Stockdale, I would invite you to respond as well. We can talk, we can pray, and we can make that decision together today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.